0: Angie and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We are the Faithful Sisters, four women who love Jesus and who have committed to spending time studying the Bible and growing in friendship with each other. We love being together, and we hope that you will enjoy your time with us.
1: So, in the previous episode, Nehemiah received a report about the state of Jerusalem, and he reacted by mourning, fasting, and praying. Nehemiah positioned himself before God in a humble manner. And now we're wondering, how does Nehemiah go about asking God for what he needs? What we know is that Nehemiah stood on God's merits, not his own. I just wonder how many times
2: we stand on our merits. Yeah. So I'll just um, just share this real quick. I, in my heart of hearts, I'm an 80s pop star. (laughs) In my heart of hearts, I'm an 80s pop star. And my family knows this about me and um, to the point that, like, my sister will call me on speakerphone and have me sing 80s pop songs to my niece and nephew, okay? I mean, this is, like, hardcore 80s pop star, right? But, um... To I don't singing. like to sing in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> You're a studio so, recorder, <laughs> something like that. But obviously, I do not have the chops to, <laughs> to be an eighties pop star. <laughs> not to mention the fact that it's now two thousand nineteen. Um, but I'll tell you what, I could rock the. The scrunchies Ooh, and yeah. the uh, leg warmers. Oh, leg warmers yeah. were the love of my life when I was growing up. <laughs> it would be. I grew up in the middle of California, Central Valley of California. Leg warmers. Literally 115 outside, and I would be wearing leg warmers. Oh, yeah. In Michigan, we used them. Actually, we <laughs> like leg warmers. Yeah, you don't need leg warmers when it's 115 <laughs> no, outside. But no, that was my persona mm-hmm. as I sang to Debbie Gibson oh, and mm-hmm. Paula Abdul. <laughs> and oh my goodness. What were
1: your best songs totally? Favorite song?
2: Um Cold Hearted Snake <laughs> oh. Allah Abdul. And I loved some Millie Vanilli. There was a controversy with Millie Vanilli. They you know, we're lip syncers. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that wasn't known and they had their Grammy taken away. And I remember yeah. crying.
1: Oh,
3: because...
2: because you were lip syncing too. And it's it's so just, let down yeah. About their duplicity. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Well, how about that? Well that's
1: great. That leads us to like when we stand on our own merit and we may not have the things to stand <laughs> on that we think that we think we, think we do. Yeah. So, so we're moving in mm-hmm. and let's take a look at what Nehemiah did. He When we say that he stood on not his own merits, but what did he ask God? Is he engaged God? What did he talk to God about? How did he bring this before God, his prayer?
0: Well, he had to have known um, all of the history of his people, right? And he had to have known some of the word of God because he said, you know, God, you told Moses... Mm -hmm. That if we were unfaithful, that you would scatter us. But if you return to me and obey me, I'll gather you back. So he had to have some knowledge mm-hmm. that they had been scattered for a reason, but that God would be faithful and bring them back if they repented. Um, I thought that was pretty good. He grows up in the, you know, in the palaces of Babylon, and yet he still knows who he is, who his forebears were.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually I'm how about if you read it, Terry? We're gonna go through Nehemiah one, eight to eleven. Yep. Okay. So starting at eight. Remember the
3: instruction you gave your servant Moses. "'Saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. "'But if you return to me and obey my commands, "'then, even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, "'I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen "'as a dwelling for my name. "'They are your servants and your people, "'whom you redeemed with your great strength and your mighty hand.' Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king.
1: So Nehemiah did mainly three big things here. The one you were talking about first, Angie, when he was saying, remember what you told your servant Moses. What's another mm. thing that he did? How did he identify themselves?
2: So he identified themselves, right, or identified themselves. (laughs) It's really bad when you copy bad grammar. (laughs) He identified his people as servants, Mm -hmm. and not just servants, but servants who have been redeemed by God, which I think is a big deal, that he says, we've been redeemed. We declare, we have been, yeah. yeah. That's huge. You have redeemed us. Yeah. We are your servants, and you have redeemed us. Wow, that was
1: great. Yeah. That puts you in a different place when you're asking for something.
2: It Mm -hmm. does. And I was just thinking, like I'm literally scratching my head right now because my brain is turning, Um, but just thinking about how I would approach something differently if I had the confidence to know that I have been redeemed. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I was a kid, if I was in trouble... If I had gone to my parents with the mindset of, I've been redeemed, and I know you love me, and this is what I've done, I probably would have reacted differently than I did as a kid who's just trying to cover my tiny hiney, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Because that redemption is huge. Mm -hmm. You start from a place of victory. Right. You deal with it from there. If you already know that you are the winner, if winner winner chicken dinner is in your vocabulary, Mm -hmm. then your tiny hide will be just fine.
1: That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't
3: know if that's a quote
1: from the Bible, but (laughs) by golly. It's it's quote. It's one of ours. Mm -hmm. Like it. That's huge because as as people who believe in Christ and believe that he lives in us, that we are a redeemed people also, when we go into our battles, we need to remember that we are battling from a position of victory. That's right.
2: And a lot of us don't do that. No. It's so easy for us to slip. That's definitely not our default setting. Right. At least, I think, probably for most of us. For most of us, yeah.
3: I think reminding God, you know, like we said they are your servants. You redeemed them. Uh, we're coming to you again because your mighty hand can do this for us. And so, remembering all of that, God, you really need to step up to the plate. <laughs> yeah. And do yeah.
2: your thing again. Do your thing again. Yeah. yeah. Be strong for us. That's so bold.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That is so bold. And I think so many people are afraid to kind of get in God's face, so to speak, mm-hmm. and be like, listen, you did this, you have done this in the past, you have said that you will do this, and I expect that you will follow through with this, because you mm-hmm. are a keeper of covenants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think God is totally okay with us being mm-hmm. I think, yeah, so too. bold. Mm-hmm. So, wait, what's your first
1: reaction when you get in trouble? What do you
3: do? Try to lie my way out of it. <laughs>
1: I do. <laughs> How about you, Angie? No, I don't. Try well, to get out of it. Try to, it. to get out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm Absolutely. like, oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. What can <laughs> I do not
0: to be in and so much right, trouble?
1: Yeah. I look to my brothers and sisters. I came from a pretty big family. It's like, what if they were one of the people that did it? Right? <laughs> yeah. So funny. It's so it's so different from all of us mm-hmm. to go. Hey, this is it, and God, I know who you are. Oh, not good. I just thought about if I came back that time when I was writing double, like coming back in and going, Mom, I know who you are. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, I know I you're, you're going to love me anyway. You're the know. great, wonderful mother who <laughs> always forgives. I right? know, and who redeems her children and takes care of their boo-boos. Mom, you are so gracious. You are good. <laughs> and I think it was my sister's fault. No,
2: <laughs> I, was, I know me. I would slide that in. So if your kids honestly came to you and started out... Because because we and we talk about you know talking to our parents or our children talking to us because he is our heavenly father. God is yeah. our heavenly father. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if our kids came to us and said, "Mom, you are so good and you are gracious and you are forgiving." Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus. laughs>
2: I mean, really? Do you think God responds, hears things like that, and is like, "Oh, it's really coming now"? You know. <laughs> yeah.
1: So one advantage is God already knows he what already happens. Knows. That's right. What I didn't know was like, okay, how am I going to pull this out? We we got to get the truth out completely. Yeah. 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 I used to be in a job where I could tell whether people were lying. Not, I didn't tell where they were, but it was a big part of my job to see what was true, what wasn't. Mm. And I always told my sons, I said, "Hey, you know what?" They'd start to say something to me, and I go. do you remember who you're talking to? (laughs) Like, do you understand the game here? Mm -hmm. Like, do you know what we're doing? Like, that's the way I would approach them. And they were just, they were trying to get away with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which would be so natural for us. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like with God, when we come up to him and we try to slide it, make it look different. It's so-and-so's fault.
2: It's like, do we know who we're talking to? (laughs) Do we know the real game going on here? Right. Right. How cool that Nehemiah doesn't pull any of that at all. Yeah. He's just like, here we are, yeah. and you're good, and you're we, we have nothing. We don't have a leg to stand on, yeah. but I'm going to make this big ask. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this big ask. So in order to do that, he almost has to be in this complete place of surrender.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's no, nothing to fight for anymore, mm-hmm. which is something that happens for us. When I'm in, in that place where I'm standing on my own merit, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to try and be tricky. I'm going to Mm -hmm. try and get out. I'm going to do it. But once I move to that place where I have died to Christ, and it's Christ who lives in me, I have nothing to fight for anymore. When I get into that position, which I think is similar to Nehemiah's position here, then the game can start. Then we're on the right place. That was really important, Suzanne. Thank you. That redeemed. They're a redeemed people. Yeah they so are starting from a place of victory already.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that a lot of times. Jesus paid a great price so that we could be joint heirs with him, heirs of God, mm-hmm. heirs of the Father. My kids aren't afraid to come and ask me for anything. And the reason they're not afraid is because they are my kids mm-hmm. and they know it. They know mm-hmm. that whatever I've got, it's for them. And I think if we can keep that in front of us, God is our Father and Jesus paid for us to have the right to be his brothers and sisters, then there's nothing that we can't ask God for mm-hmm. that he wouldn't be willing to provide us with. Um, that is true. Yeah. And I think we lose that boldness because we know that we're, we make mistakes and we're not perfect and we do things. So, we kind of let that overshadow his grace. But the word is pretty specific and it says that his grace is sufficient... For all of us. So that overcomes any of my deficiencies. He's the sufficient one, not me. I don't have to be because he's already provided that sufficiency. Mm -hmm. If we could just remember that all day long, every day, all day long, that'd be great, wouldn't it? How much better (laughs) would life be? yeah unfortunately like somehow the way it
1: kind of twists in my head is like if I'm to like oh God this one's on you like, <laughs> and, and it works and it's really good so mm-hmm. the grace is sufficient the reason this podcast how this all started those were what the conversations were like mm-hmm. God I can't do this and you know God this is on you Lord open my mouth let me get your words in here because I don't want my words in here these aren't the ones right and just this is entire exercise that we're going through in doing this podcast even if nobody listens it's an act of faith mm-hmm. it's an act of saying who you are god and stepping out in that faith and just walking in it
0: sometimes when yeah. it's such a big thing and it's so far outside of our comfort area or our gifts or talents or experience i think that that sometimes is a little easier in some ways because you know you know right off the bat I, I don't even know how to record this mm-hmm. or how do we put it together or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that positioned you right away. You knew that this was bigger than you could handle yeah. on your own. Do you Absolutely. think
2: Nehemiah had that in mind when he was thinking about it? Because he was the cupbearer. He wasn't an architect. He wasn't a contractor. He wasn't even a laborer. So this was not his realm of comfort, I wouldn't think, at all, because he was going to have to go to a land where he had never been and be with people that he had never been with and leave the palace and then go do this big thing when he, of course, had stature and um, credibility, Mm -hmm. but... He didn't he, bring laborers. He was a he <laughs> right. was a taste tester right. yeah. for a living. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I, yeah.
3: But I also think what he he could have gone through to get to that position when he asked for you know um, the trees from Lebanon, and he, of course, that's all in the um, scripture, the Torah, maybe, of um, how they built were to build the temple and whatever. So he knew what kind of wood would be good and used, usable. And I think, I just think personally that he's much more than, you know, just a cupbearer. I think he's very wise and I think he's learned. And I think he, um, I don't know. I just think he had a maybe a good round idea of how things happened. But I also think... God gives ideas and thoughts and he, he could have been serving tea every day of his life
2: and God could give him the vision for what he wanted. Yeah, absolutely. but And me saying, you know, he was a, a taste tester. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wonder if he was gluten free or not. You know, know. <laughs> you know.
2: Um, that's not to diminish what he did at all, right? Because he, no. he was, um, you know, he had a great position, position. Yep. yeah um, and obviously he came from from a good family from of, yeah somewhere he's but, you yeah. know I, I would not think I don't know how it works but I wouldn't think that, like, from the minute he was born, it was like, you're going to be a cupbearer. You're going to be a cupbearer. Like, I don't right. think that's probably... Right. So he had
0: some yeah. other experiences and yeah. things that fed well, into that. Basically, that's what but I was thinking. Basically, yeah. he would have been a hostage. You know, he's, he was a captive. So no matter how high he rose in the king's household, he was still the king's captive. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. there had to be an underlying knowledge that he had been taken... Um, that his people at that least had people. been taken yeah. because he was born
2: there but yeah
1: and again when we talk about the size of this wall it's huge
2: i'm not sure that he's done that before right. I, I think that's well, right, a right. real yeah. i would think just the yeah. practical experience yeah. is not there i wouldn't think yeah i agree
1: so he probably did know that he was out of his uh, beyond yeah, was, what he could yeah. um, mm-hmm. what his his human experience knew. Mm-hmm. The third thing he did when he was going before the Lord is he said, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Mm-hmm. So he's just asking for God's ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he named a whole bunch of promises that God had for the nation of Israel. And again, what we want to really reiterate, God doesn't forget. God is not the one who forgot. What's happening is Nehemiah is building his faith. Mm-hmm. This is building Nehemiah up. And so we want to see that as he goes through all the different promises. What are some of them that, that come to mind, you guys?
0: Well, I love the promise that he made to Abraham in Genesis, that he, he was offering an everlasting covenant to be his God and the God of his descendants. Um, and a whole land for them, an everlasting possession, a home. So I thought that was pretty incredible, that God would be their God. Because there were a lot of gods out there at that time. You know, People were worshiping everything under the sun, the sun itself, the moon, the stars, mm-hmm. um, trees. But God said, I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to give you a home forever, and you're going to be my people, my family. Mm-hmm. Pretty big promise. Mm. Yep. And he does say, um, like to Moses
3: in Deuteronomy, when you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and soul, and there's the key, Yeah, when you obey, you will return your fortunes and, um, and return you, he will return your fortunes and return you to your land, make you prosperous and numerous. It's when you obey me, I'll bless you. There's no question. That's his promise to them and to us. Mm-hmm. And not just
1: you, your generations. Yeah. Yeah, Ever An everlasting covenant, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love, and, and this isn't necessarily in the homework, but Jeremiah 29, 113. I know the plans I have for you. Yep, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope, hope in a and a future. future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you call on me and you call on me with all your heart, mm-hmm. again, yep. that's in there. You'll find me. You'll find yep. me. That's true for all of us. That's a promise mm-hmm. we can all take. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah. I love that. That yeah. scripture has been a lot to me over the years. It has to be, uh, That's, that's yeah. the one that brought me to Christ. Oh. I Because I was like, wait, I'm not in trouble? Was it just... Really, I'm not mm-hmm. in trouble because I always thought of God as someone who's like pounding down, and His you better behave yourself, yes. Rosemary, yeah, or
0: else, <laughs>
1: yeah. And that one changed it for me.
2: Yeah, I think it's important oh, to delineate the prosper and the. Um, he says, "I have plant, you know, plans to to prosper you." That doesn't always. And that plan is for the is Isra- the you know the um, the Israelites mm-hmm. and the nation of Israel, and we can claim that like we talked about you know before that we can claim that because we are we are in the body of Christ now we are part of that family. But that doesn't always mean that God's going to give me money or right. fortune. He right. didn't make me an eighties pop star. <laughs> you know, I don't have all the money that could have come with that. Mm-hmm. Um, But blessing us and providing for us looks different in in different lives. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, that just means that he promises to be with us. Mm -hmm. And that... uh, you Know that doesn't mean I'm going to open up my mailbox and find, um, you know, a million dollar check so. from my you four times the removed dead uncle, clearing house. <laughs> right?
1: Those checks don't fit in mailboxes,
2: <laughs> that's true. Ed McMahon is not coming to my house, <laughs> I don't think Ed McMahon's alive anymore. No, I think he's um, gone, <laughs> so he's definitely not <laughs> really there. <laughs> but that's a good point, that's a spiritual
1: prosperity, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes yeah. people take it like, oh, I'm gonna get some money, and mm-hmm. that's not what God's talking
2: about. And I I feel like I need to say this because I have encountered this in my life personally. Um, If someone is coming to you and saying, if you believe in God and if you do X, you will become rich Mm -hmm. or you will become famous Mm -hmm. or you will have more than you can even deal with. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he does choose to bless us with more money than we can ever spend in a whole lifetime. And with fancy cars and with big giant houses and fancy vacations, and there is nothing wrong with that. But that's not how God works.
0: God doesn't say, if you X, then I will Y. Well, there's no, it's unconditional love. Right. And so now the promises of God, the only condition there is, is that you believe in Jesus and what he did for you. Once that's established, yep. then you have the blessing of having him in your life. So there's no greater blessing than that, right? Mm-hmm. Than right. A relationship with God himself. Um, but I think people like to put those conditions out there. If you do this, I'll do that. But our condition's already been met in Jesus, but it's not necessarily a material blessing. It's right. not necessarily a physical blessing. God deals with each of us where we are. Um, and so those blessings can take on a totally different dimension with each individual person. And in different times of your life. And di- different mm-hmm. seasons, that's right. So, the, so oh, go, ahead.
1: go ahead.
3: Um, there's a scripture that says, and people take this wrong, I think that God will give you the desires of your heart. <clears throat> well, I think about it two ways. number one is um, if you are after god's heart, if you were if you love him you're gonna pray according to his will, mm-hmm. and so that is the desire of your heart is to do his will. And the other thing is um Sort of, I guess it's basically the same that he, yeah, he gives you the desires of your heart, of his heart. I am really well, messing that sense. up. No, yes. that makes sense.
2: <clears throat> God's so it's heart not, is people. it's not
3: me saying the desire of my heart is to have you diamonds. Know, uh, right. Diamonds, you know, or being 80s, 80's pop star. Desire. That's not the desire of
0: his heart <laughs> to have diamonds. Exactly. Right. So that's they've. That's
3: crazy to yeah. me. That's just yeah. crazy. It's God will put the desires in my heart that he wants me to desire for him, for his glory. So as long it, as it's his will, that's, you know.
2: And sometimes we some, get things that are answered. out of his will and he sees fit to to say that that's okay. Yeah. Yes. Like being an '80s pop star. Like being an '80s pop star, <laughs> <laughs> you could have been.
1: I, the thing, the that thing that strikes young. me as <laughs> we're talking about this <laughs> is that God, what how, those rules do—if we set up these rules, if I do this, then God does this—we're trying to to manipulate Him, mm-hmm. right? And what we don't have to have in that is relationship. God's all about relationship, and there's no grace
0: involved. If I do this, then I've earned earned that. Right. right. Well, that's not grace. No. Nope. Mm-hmm. Because the word says that, you know, I'm saved by grace. So that I can't boast that I've done something mm-hmm. or uh, earned anything. Or earned anything. Right. Yeah. And that lessens who he is as mm-hmm. well. Because
2: I'm a human and I can grant things if if somebody does something to me, I can repay them mm-hmm. in kind. Or, you know, I can retaliate or I can whatever because we're human. But we don't even have to have that because God's God. God There's no if I, then you. He just takes care of it. He's just God. God. If you're God, I can be human. And if I confess my sin and that Jesus is Lord, Mm -hmm. then I'm yours. That's the only if-then
0: that he requires. Well, I equate it sometimes with, you know, I always look at everything through the lens of being married and having children because that's been my life. So... I love Dan and we are married and it I don't I'm not going to only stay married to him if mm-hmm. he buys me what I want and lets me go where I want or if he works and makes a certain amount of money our our marriage is not conditional on those things. Now he's done all kinds of things to provide for us through the years. That's wonderful, but that doesn't change my commitment to Him and my relationship with Him, because that's not what it was all about in the first place. So I look at that with God, too. Um, my relationship, I did didn't—I don't have a relationship with Him just so that He can be my sugar daddy. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a relationship with Him, whether He is or not, um, because of who He is and my need for Him, the need that I have in my life to be His daughter. That's what motivates me. I don't think I've ever heard anybody refer to God as their sugar daddy. (laughs) That's
3: so funny. That's that extra spicy part.
1: (laughs) So, when we go back to Nehemiah, I mean, Jesus talked to us about different ways that God responds when he used the the story of the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. The father ran after him, he came after him. And so, when Nehemiah Nehemiah made his request, his personal request to God, um, he was giving God power and authority. He was assuming it. God already has it. It's not like Nehemiah could grant it, but he was assuming that God had this powerful, this power and authority. And so that's the way he was positioning himself. So what do you guys think about mm. that, how he approached God? Uh, really, it's the only
3: way we can approach God.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like what we've been talking about. We need to pr- approach it from a, a position of what we know. Mm-hmm. So here's Nehemiah. Now he's coming before the king. Mm-hmm. And
2: how does he approach the king? He, he comes to the king with humility as well.
1: Right. Now, he also had things working in his favor. Yeah. He knew the king. He knew the king really well.
2: Really well. He was literally willing to take it, you know, take his life for the king because he was the cupbearer. So he tasted everything um, to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Yep. So he was willing to give his life. Yep. That surely has to grant you some favor. You would think so. Yeah, yeah. You would think. I was
3: going to go on about that, but we're going to get to that next.
1: <laughs> well, hold I, you next I really
3: want to jump ahead. <laughs>
1: The, uh, there's an FYI thing in here by David Gusick again where it talks about the cupbearer. Mm-hmm. The cupbearer was, was a personal bodyguard to the king, like you've been saying. Being the one who tasted the wine and food before the king did, making certain no one could poison the king. The king, therefore, had to have a tremendous amount of trust in his cupbearer, who had to be a man of faithful and impressive character. Mm-hmm. If the cupbearer could be turned against the king, assassination would be easy.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. So they had to be buddies too. Right. As much as you could be buddies with a king maybe? Well, known, Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, they were together every meal. Yeah. Think, right? He lived there in the palace. He had to be in pretty close proximity cuz every mm-hmm. time the king wanted to drink something, he had to be he had to be right there. So there's an intimacy. Bi- I I think so. Yeah. yeah and they knew each other
1: really well. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. Which is probably what God wants from us. Mm-hmm. I, when I look at Nehemiah's character, I'm like, I don't know that I have that character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need to be a little more careful. <laughs> but one of the things that I loved the most was that it was like four months that Nehemiah prayed mm-hmm. yeah. before he went to, before the king and made his request. And he didn't even make that request until the king said to him, Hey, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. You know, you look unhappy. So how many times had he been with the king in those four months that he was praying, waiting for God to open a door Mm -hmm. for him to make that ask? Mm -hmm. So probably a part of that is what Nehemiah has been
1: doing this whole lesson, this whole episode. He's telling... he's doing this remembrance to God mm-hmm. to build up Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The remembrance is for Nehemiah. The remembrance is to, is to build his faith. Mm-hmm. The remembrance is to help Nehemiah see the big picture according to the way God would see it. And that's helpful as we go to approach a king. Mm-hmm. We go to approach someone. Pray. So let's pray. God, we just come before you, and we just, as we approach you, God, we just ask that you see us... Um, way we are, Lord, and that we are able to see you, Lord, completely the way you are, God. We start from a place of victory, God, because you've given us that victory, Lord. Because of your sacrifice, we stand in that position of victory. And we need to keep remembering who you are, how much you love us, how your heart is towards us, how you want what's best for us, Lord, and how you want to prosper us in spiritual ways, God. We just... Praise you. We just thank you for this opportunity to be in this podcast and mm-hmm. just speak out your word and and just to get to know you better, Lord. We just love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
2: And cut. <laughs>